Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. No, you look fantastic. I was going to say how pretty your hair looks. You'll be fine. You look so much better than you did last week. First of all... Tony's not recording. Tony's getting her microphone ready. None of this has anything to do with what she looks like. Oh, she's not even recording. Why am I talking? Are you ready, Tony? I hit hit record. Okay. Okay, here we go, everybody. Three, two, one. Okay, now we're officially recording, and... Bonnie took the opportunity of Tony saying she was getting her mic ready to say, but Tony, you don't look nearly as bad as you did last week. She said, I don't have any makeup on. No, that's not what she said. She said she didn't have her microphone on. Yeah. But I'm sure Tony appreciates being told she looked awful last week. Yeah. No, Uh, I... Well, she didn't look good last week. I was upset. No, I know. I know. She was upset. And look how happy she looks this week. You looked fine last week. That's that's Bonnie's version of a compliment. Just amazing. You know? <laughs> yeah. You don't look nearly as shitty as you did before. <laughs> Thank you. No, and but... I want to I back that up. Absolutely, Tony. You look like 90% less shitty. Thank yeah, you, honestly. everyone. No, but she was so unhappy last week. She... Found out she couldn't get in her place. It'd been four months, whatever it was, and she'd been crying. I was crying. And look how relaxed You're... she looks. Her hair looks. Shouldn't pretty... we save that information for the show? If we were doing cold open, that would be. This would be an appropriate place to discuss that, but it's not. Okay. <laughs> okay. We should do a. Re- Let's do a reality show about Tony's life. Oh I my think... God! It is a reality it's show. So boring. It's not. That's not a bad idea. No, when she turned to that life of crime and started. Boosting frittatas. <laughs> yeah. I miss the frittatas. Hey guys, how do we feel about doing a podcast? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's fall in love. All right, I'll start us up. Here we go. You know, wait. Coming I have live. something. What? You know, what, Why? Like, no. Bonnie has something she wants to say. Just before we chit chat yeah. before yeah. the show starts. Here's my tip. So the cleaning lady was here today. And uh-huh. she left the toilet seat up, but and so I went in the bathroom. I'm so used to not looking that I sat down. Don't do that. It's like falling into a bucket. I can't believe the difference that a little like what one inch toilet seat yeah. makes. It's it's true. The seat itself is not all that high, and your muscles are used to stopping at a certain point as you lower yourself. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm Why like, are we whoa. doing this? I'm like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. So you fell into the toilet today, is what you want to tell us. It was like sitting in a bucket. Full of cold water. I think to fall in, I would have to be face first. I have to say, there's something wrong with your toilet. 
um, because it shouldn't be that you're sitting inside it just because the seat's up. That shouldn't be. I think it's a, what is it? One of those low toilets that's sort of modern. I don't know. I went way down. I was shocked. May I be excused? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Adam. I don't want to be here. (laughs) Bonnie, I want to thank you for that. You're welcome. Coming to you live from our bucket-shaped toilets in Los Angeles, California. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sorry. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, and our Airbnbs, this here is Nobody Listens to Ball of Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, violence on television. Is it getting worse? Is it affecting us and our children? Or is it just coincidence that Paula's favorite shows have progressed from Perry Mason to Columbo to Breaking Bad? Dear God, has TV turned Paula into a potentially violent fiend? Am I safe? I mean, she'd probably go for Bonnie first, right? (laughs) And I could use that opportunity to run to the shed and lock myself in. Oh God, can she be stopped? Maybe our guest, media psychology expert, Dr. Cynthia Vinny, can talk her down. And then, we children of NATO recently welcomed a new kid on the block. But how much do we know about Finland? And more importantly, how much do they know about our International Alliance's most important weekly comedy podcast? We learn all about our new listeners, I mean, our strategic partners, in a brand new installment of Bonnie and Tony's Oral Report. I'm Adam Felber, this show's righteous sheriff, dutifully strolling from stable to saloon, alert to any rogue digression or unsanctioned inanity. And now, please welcome the hot-headed loose cannon of a deputy whose propensity to speak first, ask questions later, and then speak again, often for hours, is liable to get us all killed. It's Paula Poundstone. Yay! Thank you, Matthew. So nice to be here. You know, I was wondering if Bonnie had had any toileting incidents. <laughs> toileting, you verbed that. Yeah, yeah I guess yeah. she did. Yeah. You know, um. yeah, you, 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 it becomes a verb when uh, when you're training your kids toileting. Um, so I was making dinner the other night. And, and, you know, a long time ago, we did an ad for a company called Let Us Grow. It's a hydroponic garden. And I just, I love mine. And one of the, you know, pretty much what I have almost every single night is some sort of greens from the, you know. Uh, the lettuce grow tower. Yeah. And I harvest them from, it's on my porch. And I go into the kitchen, you know, and then I prepare the, the greens. I chop them up and put them in with uh, mushrooms. So I was doing that the other night. And as I'm cutting the, I cut the stem, you know, the stem off. And I cut the leaves from the side of the stem. And as I'm doing that. Uh, a spider runs up my arm. You know, the hydroponic garden is outside. It's not surprising that there's spider. So I quick grab a Kleenex and I grab the spider and I, I leave the kitchen. I go out on the porch and I shake the spider out. Although Eleanor Spicer Rice told us one time that you're probably not really saving the spider by doing that. But I still, I don't want to kill it. And I certainly don't want it running around in my house. So this is what I did anyways. And I come back in and my cat Lawson is up on the counter uh, and I knew that he did this, but I, he wasn't around when I left the room. As soon as I left the room, he's up on the counter eating the greens and like dragging them around and dropping some on the floor and 
So I'm like, you know, fuck. And I pick him up off the floor and I kind of, yeah, and then I s- start again. And damn, if a spider doesn't run up my arm. It may have been the first spider that I didn't actually get when I thought I had it. Um, but now I have, like, I can't just leave. So now I'm, I'm trapped between, do I have my greens, you know, eaten and abused by the cat? But I have to get the spider out, you know, and they, it's, I'm going to kill it if it just stays in the Kleenex. Um, so I hold it lightly. And if you hold it lightly, then the spider can run out of the Kleenex. So it's time for a judgment call right then. <laughs> you know. yeah. yeah, this is a what would you do kind of moment here. So listeners, why don't you stop the recording right now if you're driving or walking. Take a moment to meditate on this. You've got a Sophie's <laughs> choice between a spider and some lettuce about to be eaten by a cat. Yeah. What do you do? And I just want to correct you. It was Swiss chard. It was not lettuce. It was Swiss chard. And so that may okay. change the math that people are using on their moral decision. You might have to stop the recording again then, people, if you've just come back to find out what Paula did, and now you've been updated and told it was Swiss chard. Yeah, Swiss chard. In fact, it was rainbow Swiss chard, so stop the recording again, and please enter that into your moral calculations. I'll tell you. Talk about your horns of a dilemma. Well, I ate out. I went to a restaurant. I just... I, I ordered, so you, you ditched the Swiss shard, the spider, and the cat, and just I ordered left. pizza with... No, I'm kidding. I, no, I opted to leave with the spider, and, and I came back in, and, you know, my feeling is, I'm going to cook the Swiss chard anyways, so if it has some cat spit on it, it's not the worst thing that could happen to it. It could also explain why I, I do have a lot of digestive problems. That could be... <laughs> yeah. And this rash, you may have noticed. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, your cats routinely step on you and get stuff on you while you're sleeping. So it's not a huge departure for you to have a little cat spit with your Swiss shard. No, not at all. You're absolutely right about that. In fact, they eat off my plate sometimes. I mean, I don't invite them to, but they do. You know, they're like, what's that noise in the other room? You better go check. And then I come back and... Uh, That's the sound yeah. of a cat's tongue licking my food. <laughs> Yeah, I got that. Because they got those sandpaper tongues. Hey, uh, you know, Paula, before we move on, and we are going to move on in just are a we? second. Um, yeah, I would love to. Yeah, I get that now. Yeah. Um, did you thank tonight's house band? <gasps> oh, my gosh. No. And it's, it's house band David Bragger on the fiddle. What was I thinking? David Bragger, thank you so much. You sound terrific. I was so caught up in the drama of the spider and the rainbow Swiss chard and the moral dilemma and the cat, my cat Lawson, who's overall a good guy, but, you know. So uh, so anyways, David, thank you very, very much for being our house band. I love the fiddle, and I thank your fiddle as well. It was just a, Paula was caught up, and we all were caught up with her on this wonderful journey she took us, full of vegetables and arachnids <laughs> and felines. Oh, edge of our seats. There are podcast awards, aren't there? Because... The potties, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking. 
the, just this story alone should be submitted. <laughs> or maybe if there's a writer out there, a screenwriter out there, or somebody who's thought about being a screenwriter, it's the sort of thing that you could uh, make into a you know movie. Based on the Runaway Hit podcast segment, Kate Winslet <laughs> is Paula Poundstone in The Lettuce and the Spider. They had to change it to Lettuce because Swiss Shard didn't test well with the audience. Oh, yeah, but isn't that just what they do, too, you know? like That's how they do it in Hollywood. I am so excited because we are going to have our first discussion. We just are starting our new book club book, The Scarlet Letter. Yeah, and so with that, I would like to bring our... Bookie, bookie, book club to order. And a one, and a two, and a three. Ah, ah. We got a book club. We got a book club. We got a bookie, 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 book club. We got a book club. We got a book club. We got a book club tonight. Find an A, find an A, find an A. Wow. That was fantastic. Bravo. You know, I got to tell you something. (laughs) The reason why the band leader goes, you know, and a one and a two and a three (laughs) is because they're trying to get all of the musicians to start at the same time. But when you're singing it by yourself, (laughs) you're already going to start at the same time as you. I'm not saying... I don't know, Paula. I don't want to contradict you, but I think Bonnie's got enough constituents in that belfry of hers that maybe it does help... Maybe it does help to get them all together. Yeah, yeah. I'm not suggesting, Sybil, that you ha- that you can't do the one and a two and a, but just you know. Um. All right. So I just thought that before we began, I, I, if you remember from a long time ago, um, I did look up on uh, the internet, you know, just about book clubs and running a book club, and there were some suggestions that I found helpful, and I thought I would just repeat what I. This is stri- before we get to the book. Let's get to that because you know we have been trying to follow Robert's rules of order, and it hasn't always worked <laughs> for us. Well, here, so so th- this is one of the things I found: interruptions. There will always be someone who breaks in while another person is speaking. Most interruptions are due to enthusiasm rather than rudeness. Control the interruptions by saying, hold that thought, Cheryl. We'll want to hear it again once Angie has finished. Uh, And then here's another one. Uh, Monopolizing conversation. Cut in on long-winded group members with, that's an interesting point you just made. Did anyone else get the same impression or a different one? Or, you've made some interesting points, Terry. Let's hear from another reader. Chris, what did you think? Now, one of the drawbacks about these suggestions is that we have Adam and Tony and Bonnie. We don't have Chris and Angie and Cheryl, but we'll try to make it work. That's a challenge, uh, but we could just assign ourselves roles. I'll be Chris if you want. Oh, would you? Paula, maybe you could be uh, Angie. I'll be Cheryl. I don't know what characters are left. Uh-oh, I don't either. <laughs> Hold on. I wasn't, I wasn't listening. <laughs> You know, it does. I don't recall what they said to do about book club members that don't listen. Sorry, uh, something, I, uh, something played about on bu- my computer and I got distracted and I had to turn it off. Uh, well, we're off to a great start. Well, what were you doing on the computer to begin with? I have tabs open. You were, Tony was watching a movie while <laughs> no. we're going over the ground rules of the book club. So don't be surprised if she doesn't do the book club correctly. I wasn't. 
Or, and also, for various reasons, don't be surprised if she doesn't read more than a chapter of this fucker. Yeah. That's, that's how Tony rolls. But, I think hey, the, but let's get to it. No, I think the important takeaway from today is Tony looks so much better than she <laughs> Oh, my God. She looked like hammered shit last week, and now look at her. Okay, she didn't look you good just... last week. Come on, you guys. She pinched flying, and she looked upset. She looks way more relaxed. Are you in the same B&B? I thought you had to get out of that B&B. No, I extended here. They let you extend? They did let me extend. So I'm oh, here. I'm here for another nine days. That's because she locked herself in and called the owners and said that she had crayons and was willing to use them on the walls and furniture. So... <laughs> We should tell everybody what we did. We read the first 20 pages of Nathaniel Hawthorne's 1850 masterpiece, The Scarlet Letter. And immediately, I feel like we made some mistakes that I'll get to in a minute by going with number of pages rather than chapters. Yeah, Yeah, because I'm using a cardboard book version. Yeah, everybody's everybody's pagination is different, but it was approximately three chapters. Let me just give you a summary of the first 20 pages that I read, and hopefully it doesn't give away anything in case you guys didn't read as much. Um, Judging by Tony's uh, face, which, although it looks way better than last week. So much better than last week. Extraordinarily guilty. Here's the summary of what we've read of The Scarlet Letter. Striking young possible widow Hester Prynne emerges from a 17th century Boston prison and is paraded through the streets bearing her two marks That's of not shame. The- Wait a minute, it's the custom house. No, what about the custom house? Guys, I'm going to read my summary and then you can tell me about that <laughs> bullshit two pages about the custom no, house. But you forgot like basically the first no, chapter. No, not the first chapter. It's the anyway. setup. That is, that's the, yeah, that's, the setup. That's okay. the end of the book. Okay. All right, here we go. I'll do that. I'll do that little bit. But you should let me read this thing. Um, okay, there's a there's a bullshit chapter that talks about the fact that there's a there's a jail and a and a church in this town, and it describes it. And that was that. No, wait was, a minute. Novels back then. That isn't. Boy, I'm listening to this on tape, and there's like the whole custom house thing establishes how the writer got to the letters, and then that the writer came up with. This oh. story about mm-hmm. somebody right. else. We need to take a break then, because I didn't come across any of that. Oh. Well, I think Bonnie uh. just told it very, very succinctly. Well, no, Absolutely. and I, <laughs> I thought it was interesting because the narrator is at that customs house where there's not really any ships coming in anymore. And, mm-hmm. you know, he thinks a lot of the people that he works with are idiots. And I just thought right there was a setup of, oh, old days, Salem. And then the idea that he finds something that another guy wrote and the other guy wrote it under another person's name, I think sets up a lot of threads in this book. It may well. It may well. Um, <laughs> h- however, I-, I didn't read that. <laughs> so funny enough I went to skip over it because I just thought it was like a boring introduction and then I realized oh it's part of the book but I don't remember this from high school I'm going to have to go back and read it I mean this is a point of order I'm going to have to go back and read it because my version of the Scarlet Letter started with the prison door chapter one the prison door well let me ask you something what page wow. Did your book start? Did you think it was curious that your book started on page twenty-five? Did that trouble you? On my edition, it was page one. Was your 
Is the cover torn off of your book? I'm wondering no. if you have the no. whole book. Um, I have the whole book, but I do. It doesn't have a cover per se because I I read almost all my books electronically now, so as not to kill more trees. Well, uh, you know, I would like to give you credit for that, but if it means that you're not reading the book, then I say, <laughs> get that, well, get that axe out. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, does anyone want to summarize the custom house? Because I didn't read it. Um, uh. Yeah, go ahead, Bonnie. Go ahead, because it was so crystal clear what you said before. Yeah, it was really, okay. like, really popular better. from the page. From all right. Me. Well, first of all, for those that don't know, The Scarlet Letter is an, a historical novel, okay? And it starts with um, this narrator. The narrator uh, spends his days at the custom house trying to amuse himself because few ships come to Salem anymore. And one rainy day, he's like, up in this second story of this old dilapidated custom house, he's looking through piles of stuff and he notices a manuscript that is bundled with a scarlet gold embroidered piece of cloth in the shape of the letter A. He tries to hold it. He goes to hold it to his chest and it burns, starts burning his chest. So he gets afraid to do that. But the letters were from a guy named Jonathan Pugh, who was a surveyor a hundred years earlier. And he wrote an account of the events taking place in the middle of, the, of a century before his time. And that was 200 years before the narrator's time. And the John Pugh guy decides to write a fictional account of what he read and makes it of Hester Prynne experiences. Okay. In mine... Uh, <laughs> in mine... It's a disaster. So way. far we're off to a great found, start. <laughs> He found he found a, a Spider Man notebook. Uh, it was a <laughs> it was a spiral notebook uh, with Spider Man on the cover, and that's where he found the the, the letters. Um, yeah, you know that that's what they used to do in novels. For those of you who haven't read as many historical novels as we have, novels written a long time ago. Speak for yourself. They would start with introductions uh, like, you know, this is how I know this shit. I found a book and this oh. book was passed to me by a captain. Yeah, that's, so that's, oh. that's you would You would have to start a novel by saying like, you know what? This really happened, right? And you know how I know it? This guy told me a story one night at a fire and, uh, and then he gave me a bunch of letters to read. That's how that's how a lot of novels started. So apparently this one does, too. But for some reason, somebody saw fit to leave that off of mine. I don't remember this part from high school. I also thought it was going to be a bullshit introduction like Tony did, but I went to Sparks Notes and looked to see if it was oh, a chapter or a prologue, listen, and it was listen. a chapter. It was the way the book starts. I did too. I didn't. I didn't know if it was part of the book, so I went to Spark Notes to see if it was part of the book, and I was like, "Oh, I have to read this." Someday there's going to be a book, probably by Jim Jordan, and the whole thing will start with Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, <laughs> Did you guys get to anything besides the Charter House, or that, that's all you read? I read the first chapter, but the first chapter is like two pages, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get that far. I didn't get as far as the person finding the letters. I got to... He worked... <laughs> then he was... I, you know, I'll tell you something. I, I, I found myself wishing that the author would just say, of the narrator, you know, would have him just say, I used to live in Salem... And I came back years later, and then I worked in the customs house, and then this happened. There's so many words. My, my favorite word in the whole thing was the word thitherward. 
Oh, that's a good one. I had never heard of the word thitherward before. And did anybody else notice that at one point he refers to the women's tools of magic, which were the broom and the mop? (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of gender stuff that we're going to be talking about, I think, all through. Let's make an agreement right here. I'm going to make a motion right here. Is it going to be a blood pact? Are we going to prick our fingers? No. No, we're just going to listen to me make a suggestion. And, and if you want to prick your fingers, that's absolutely fair. You can do so. So get right. get your needle ready, Paula. Uh, um, this needle is a little bit rusty. Why don't we say that we are going to read chapters one, two, and three of the Scarlet Letter for next week. We'll assume that we've all made it through the Chartal House or whatever that was. It was the and, uh, it was the Custom House. Custom house. Whatever. It's not I'll go chartal. back and read that. I'll, it, it, whatever. We'll read chapters one, two, and three. So from the prison door to the very beginning of the chapter called The Interview. And then everybody, all our listeners will be with us and we'll all be together and we'll have our bookie, bookie, book club firing on all cylinders already. Well, I just couldn't imagine how a high school teacher got their kids to read this book after all the words that it took the guy to say, I used to live in Salem and then I went away, and then I came back, and I worked at the Custom House. Yeah, but I think you should add, Adam, that if they haven't read the Custom House, they should read that too. I'm not sure that it's necessary to tell the listeners that they have to read the Custom House part. I think they can make that decision on their own. <laughs> said. Okay, well, that's and true. please... Listeners, remember that we do have a new website and we have a way of keeping track of whether or yes. not you read the custom house part. There's a whole page. So we're watching you. Yeah. yeah. There's a whole page on the website, um, you know, pretty much calling out people, uh, listeners who don't read the custom house part of the story. I will point out this since we're not doing a lot of discussion of the stuff that. We try to spread out the floor in this book club. You know, we read one thing and then from another era and then from another era. But we first read Moby Dick, mm-hmm. right? That was our first book club one. Yeah. And this one not only was published one year before Moby Dick, but was written in the exact same state by Herman Melville's good friend. Oh. In fact, Moby Dick is dedicated to Nathaniel Hawthorne. Oh, wow. So we we are right back in the soup again, but we have about a thousand fewer pages to read. So maybe after this, we'll read a book written by the good friend of the woman who wrote Eat, Pray, Fuck. We'll just have a viewing of the buddy film uh, Herman and Nathan. Oh, yeah. God, that was good. We remember when they go on the road trip and they have the, they have the, the dead fish in the car and they're so worried that they're going to get pulled over. Oh, right. Gosh, and that. then they do get pulled over. Yeah. Oh, and, and they the have smell? to they have to pretend like the dead fish is their grandma. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. That was a, that was so great. Uh, who was in? Was it was uh Scott Bio? Was he in that? Scott Bio. Yeah. 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 Chachi was in that. Yeah. He played N- Nate Hawthorne. Yeah. yeah. But that was before he went uh, all right wing. It was he was much. Oh, more, absolutely. Much yeah. more fun. You know, I think that has <laughs> been a very successful first book club meeting. <laughs> And that it was completely letter. unsuccessful. Let's uh, no, let's call think, that to a close. I think Nathaniel Hawthorne, were he here, would embrace each of us and say, "Please, call me Nate." <laughs> <laughs>
And you know what? Now that we're done with that, since Paula brought it up, uh, yeah, go to our new website, nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone.com. Not only do we use it to track your every move and figure out if you're reading uh, our book club book, but you can also buy all kinds of fantastic swag like our hats and T-shirts and sweatshirts and stuff. And uh, you can get involved in our show in various ways. That's nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone.com. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress with my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula. You know, 
Every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i I think my eyes closed. They're so, it's a softness. It's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. Uh, oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Quince sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway. Use our code. And hey, Paula, what's going on in our world of vocabulary right now? Well, listeners... I'm about to ask my coworkers the definition of a former nobody listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary word to see if they learned it as a result of my vocabulary song that I did for four years. So far, by the way, uh, they don't test well. And, and neither do I. Remember, each of these vocabulary words spent four weeks in the vocabulary song. 
Um, uh, listeners, if you go to our Facebook page, you'll find that I've been adding on limbs and features for Adam, Tony, and Bonnie's portraits each week, which they are awarded for telling me the correct definition of the vocabulary word. The podcast member whose portrait is completed first will be the winner. So there is a lot of skin in this game. So oh, yeah. let's give it your all. And remember, there could be a waste in it for you. Uh, we'll start with Tony. So Adam and Bonnie, take your headphones out so you can't hear. So, Tony, you ready? I'm ready. All right, here it is. Vicissitudes. <gasps> no! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is it? Vicissitudes. Vicissitudes. And I'll tell you why I chose it. It's in the part of the Scarlet Letter that we read. Oh, I clearly and and, didn't and when I heard it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was I didn't remember what it meant, but I'm like, oh, that was a vocabulary which I looked it up again. I don't even have a guess. That's the definition. Good job, Tony. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's phenomenal. And so many of our words mean that. Uh, no, vicissitudes is a plural noun. Uh, it's changes of circumstances. Or fortune. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So the guy who used to live <laughs> in Salem and moved Salem. away and then moved back again and worked at the custom house, which could have been said in one sentence, but instead Nate <laughs> dragged it out for a whole chapter. Uh, all right. So vicissitudes, plural noun, changes of circumstances or fortune. Uh, all right. Uh, let me signal uh, Bonnie. I'm never. She's, you know, she's paying no attention. Sydney Bonnie. <laughs> I'm totally paying attention. You. Oh, there we go. Okay, are you ready? It takes a second to get back to sound. You know. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um. All right. This word, Bonnie, is a former nobody listens to Paula Poundstone vocabulary word. But the reason I selected it is because I was listening to the book and I heard it. And I'm like, wait, that was one of our vocabulary words. I didn't remember what it meant when I heard it, but I did stop and look it up. So uh, here it is. It's vicissitudes. I know vicissitudes. It is, it has to do with things, right? Like vicissitudes. Did you ever see the, the documentary about the spelling bee where the kids, you know, the kids like train for the spelling bee for a whole year and they'll, and they'll say like what the Latin, they'll break the word down and, and know like what each syllable means yes. and then they can figure out what the, and I never heard one of them go, it has to do with things. <laughs> okay, wait, vicissitudes is like. I'm thinking about senses. I heard it in, like, topics, feelings, stuff related to what you're doing. <laughs> you said very different things. <laughs> that was, um, uh, that's, that's, that's incorrect, but broad. And I want to thank you for that. No, vicissitudes. Damn. It's a plural noun. It's changes of circumstances or fortune. Okay, well, I was kind of close. No, I had, no, 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 nowhere change. near. But thank you. You're not close it's, at all. Um, all vicissitudes. Right. Would it be every thought uh, or or item in the world? Could it be that? Uh, no. <laughs> 
Um, all right, let me get Adam. We should have a side bet as to whether or not Adam's going to know it because I'm going to bet a hundred dollars that he'll know I, what I'm, it is. I'm, I'm back. Can you hear me? I hear you, Adam. Are you there? You know, my my absences during this game are getting longer and longer. <laughs> yeah, but we're being entertained. That's because we're no entertained. That's because Bonnie's guess was long. Bonnie's guess <laughs> was every item and concept in the world. So oh, that, so that well, she must have been right then. She uh, must have gotten it right. Yeah. Well, she was. She used the broken clock approach. Um, all right, here we go. And by the way, Adam, the reason I selected this word, it is a former, nobody listens to Paul Poundstone vocabulary word, but I also, when I was listening to the Scarlet Letter, I heard the word. So here it is. It's vicissitudes. Oh, those are the uh, uh, the changeable whims of fate, the things that happen to you. It's Oh, it's uh, vicissitudes. Yeah. Yay. yeah. Whimsical, fatey, fatey stuff. I'm, I'm not, I'm getting head shakes no. from people, but I always thought vicissitudes were like twists of fate and fortune. Yeah. Um, right. Isn't that right? No, but you were so close. It's the little rubber tips that you can put on your fingers <laughs> in order to pick up uh, things. <laughs> um, but thank you for playing Adam Felber. That was uh, fantastic. So Bonnie and Tony will each get a, a body part, and sadly, Adam won't. Okay, thanks. Wait, wait, Sorry, wait hold Adam. on a second. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, that might not be the real definition of vicissitude. No, it's the little rubber uh, uh, things that you can put on the ends of your fingers. Uh, some people use them when it's they're... Not. So, it, no, yeah, it's not. No, it's definitely not that. You know what? No. Speaking of which, boy, where I prick my finger with this rusty needle seems to be yeah. kind of really swelling up and... Yeah, that'll get infected if it's a rusty like a one, white I thought it was worth stuff. it. I'm not yeah. worried about it. Um... Yeah, you're okay. right, Adam. It, that was what it, it's a plural noun that means changes, changes of circumstances or or fortunes. Oh, fantastic! Oh, well. So we all got it right then. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was gonna be outre. <laughs> I forgot that one already. What was outre? I forget. Outre. Something uh, out there. Bizarre. Yeah. Out of like social acceptable. Yeah. yeah. So, Paula, at what point do I get my whole body in this game? I seem to be getting the words right. Yeah, then we can be oh, done with what this. Do you, mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, years ago I was on Jeopardy and I remember turning to Alex Trebek and saying, What the fuck? How long does this game take? Yeah, well, that's kind of how I feel. Because you know what, Paula? I'm doing everything I can. I'm getting the words right. Yeah. I've, I've lost a lot of weight just so you don't you can't add in more body parts. And, and yet still, this game continues. Yeah, and, and Tony uh, looks so much better than she did last week. So I'm going to have to change my, my portrait of her uh, because I was basing it on how she looked last week. Uh, oh, so yeah. A lot of work to be done yeah. there. Yeah. Um, Adam, you know, I only increase a body part every week. It's not like you get a new one every day. So, yeah, you're, you're coming along. You have more body parts than the others. <laughs> okay. It doesn't feel like it sometimes, but okay. And you do. You've Right now, I've been giving you fingers. Again, as I said last week, that totally means that when the time comes, you're giving Tony mittens. No, that's, <laughs> that is not correct. But she may have a fist. She may have a fist. <laughs> All right, everybody. You know, Isaac Asimov said, violence is the last refuge of the incompetent, which is amazingly prescient because 
at that point, there was no such thing as a Stallone movie. We'll be exploring violence in the media when we come back. On this day in unremarkable history, Samuel Beckett said, Oh my God, look at that line. We'll come back later. And we are back. Hey, big thank you to our house band, David Bragger. On that fiddle. We don't want to brag. You might not be actually a bragger, but we want to brag on you. You're fantastic, and we appreciate you. Adam, Adam, answer the phone. No, Paula, we're doing fine without a phone call on this show. We could just let that ring. (laughs) No, no, no. Answer the phone, Adam. I would rather not. Adam, answer the phone. Not going to do it. (laughs) All right. Hello? Hello, Adam Felba. Am am I the hundredth caller? (laughs) Oh, it's Senator Bernie Sanders. Uh, No, Senator. I'm sorry, you're not. I believe you are the eleventh caller. Well, that is quite a disappointment. (laughs) I I made the decision to enter the hundredth caller contest months ago, but I waited until I assumed the other ninety-nine calls had already come in. I I was really hoping to win the prize of a biographical tour of the locations that made you the man you are. You at one time said you had been very involved in politics, and I would love to see where that was, because I don't ever recall your involvement. Oh, well, with respect, Senator, it's not like you would know everyone who was ever involved in politics. Uh, Of course, you're right. Uh, Perhaps George Bush Sr. had some early strategy meetings at the Sunglass Hut. I, I would not have been involved in that. Wow. Um, okay, Senator, uh, you're welcome <laughs> to call back and try again. You know, Adam Felber, I happen to serve as a United States senator. It's not like I have all day to call into your hundredth caller contest. <laughs> Just a point of order there, Senator Sanders. It's not really my contest, sir. It was, it was Paula's idea. The featured prize in a contest is a biographical tour of your life's locations. I would call that your contest. Well, Senator, if I may, it's it's Uh, important. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming uh, my time. I have to go now, Adam Felba. Uh, okay. Thank you. Goodbye, Senator Bernie Sanders. (laughs) Hey, Paula, you have a look like you're reminiscing about something. I'm thinking back. Screen goes wiggly. Adam, in 1992, this happened. I was walking down the street and a bus drove by me with an ad, I believe it was for the movie Patriot Games, on the side of the bus. In the ad, Harrison Ford was pointing a gun straight out, basically at the viewer. As far as I know, this was a first. I continued walking, and as I went by an elementary school playground, like literally minutes after the, I'd seen this bus ad, kids were at recess on this elementary school playground, and I saw a kid who looked kind of like his mother dressed him a little funny. He was throwing something at some other kids, maybe a rock, I think. And as he did so, he shouted, Hasta la vista, baby! Ooh. And I was so upset by this. I went home and I wrote an op-ed that ran in the L.A. Times. Yet, if I were to tell that story to anyone under 40, 
today, they would wonder what the op-ed could have possibly been about. There used to be a national conversation about keeping violent content away from children. The phrase violence on television was a thing. Uh, There were concerned watchdog groups, and then there weren't. The floodgates opened. I I don't know why. It, It baffles me. I never hear anybody talk about that concern anymore. I wish there was someone that was an expert on this subject that I could talk to, someone who knows about statistics, someone who knows about uh, uh, whether there's a measure of how it's affected. I wish there was someone that I could talk to about this, but there uh, there probably is someone somewhere, but nobody I'll ever get to talk to. Yeah, probably not. So we better move on to Tony and uh, Bonnie's oral report now. Oh, wait a minute. Who's that there? Hello. In our third Zoom window there. You're in luck, Paula. We have a guest today who is the very expert you seek. Wait a minute. This is a coincidence with a Carmel Drizzle. Yes, it is. She's a psychology writer, independent scholar, and author specializing in media psychology. Her latest book is entitled Finding the Truth in Fiction. Please welcome Dr. Cynthia Vinnie. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. First of all, wait, okay, maybe this is left field, but how old are you? Because you look very young. I am 44. All right, then you probably were never alive during the period of time where this was spoken of as a concern. On the old Saturday Night Live, Gilda Radner used to do this really funny character named Emily Latella. And Emily Latella was an older woman that was hard of hearing, and she would be on the news portion of Saturday Night Live. And she would come on with an editorial about something that she was very upset about. And one night she came on uh, and she said, what's all this fuss I hear about violins on television? And of course, Chevy Chase stops her and says, no, 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 it's violence on television. But, But the reason that was funny, it was on everyone's lips. It was a regular concern. Does anyone keep statistics on the rise in violent television and the rise in violence on our society anymore? Well, the rise in violence in our society, definitely. You can go to CDC and find all of those statistics. There's definitely people who keep statistics about the rise in violence on TV, but there's a bit of a a controversy about that. Like, what is violence? And that's a lot of the problem. Like, how do you define violence? Is it just a gun? Is it a shove? Is it cursing someone out? No, cursing isn't violent. And the odd thing is that that remains very regulated. That's you, true. You, you know, can't say shit or fuck on network television. Obviously, network. you can on cable. Yeah. But on network television, there are certain words that you cannot say. And my guess is that there is no measurable uh, effect of those words harming anybody or creating anything in our society in a negative way. But they must have kept numbers years ago because they were always so concerned about it. And then the floodgates just opened. Well, I think that there's statistics. There's just not people talking about it. So there's just not as much chitter chatter about it. And people generally don't think about it. Or if they do, it's quiet. Yeah, quiet doesn't really help us. (laughs) Now, there used to be in every network had had someone in a department called standards and practices um, where they regulated that sort of thing. 
Do we know if they still have that even? Is there something that could be done in a show? Like, for example, if I wrote a sitcom and one of the characters smoked and we sent that to the network, they would, you know, somebody would say, is it absolutely necessary? Is it absolutely integral uh, to the story for that character to smoke? I mean, they would really challenge whether or not that was necessary. And they used to do that with violence as well, or with the images of violence anyways that you saw. Do you know, do they still watch that? Do they still pay attention to that from a network level? You know, I know on the networks they do, but on the streamers and some of the cable networks, they don't. And I think that there's something about taking a page from the streamers, it's not as frowned upon anymore. Since no viewers seem to care anymore, is that, do you think? Well, I think people care, but I think that it's not to the same degree. And it also, there are something like 600 shows on TV right now. They are so spread out that it's not like everyone is watching one thing like they were however many yeah. years ago. Even when it was just a lot of networks, there were so many fewer shows, but there are so yeah. many shows now and so many people watching at different times. Well, that's a good point. We can't right. say what is well, really that's... impacting them. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. Let's put Paula's thesis to the test then, because you study this stuff. Is violence on TV on the rise, getting worse, getting more violent, and what effect is it having? Well, there is violence on TV. It's probably that there's more of it because there are more shows. Right. Sure. So, yes, there is more. But it's also that people are watching individually what they like most. So... If mm -hmm. I don't like violence, I can more easily avoid it. Well, unless you're flipping to find what you like. Oh, yeah, but people don't flip anymore, Paula. I flip because I stay in hotels. Don't know what they get. I just have to start at the beginning and, and go around. All right. So I see what you're saying, that because there's so many channels, uh, you can't really isolate the variables to measure. Because I was wondering if at any time we discovered that it just doesn't matter. And that's why they gave up the ghost. It's not that it doesn't matter, because it does. It absolutely does. But it's also that there's not as, as direct a correlation. And even when people are doing uh, studies about this, when they mm -hmm. show people violence in a room and they see how aggressive they get, mm -hmm. the things that they see are so different from network shows. Like it's all cut uh -huh. together and crazy. So the violence that you can see in those settings causes aggression, but... It's not like television. Yeah. So it's hard to tell. It's a really hard thing to study. So we uh -huh. know that there is a correlation, but it's harder for us to say that, yes, this causes aggression because there are so many other factors that could cause yeah. aggression. And mm -hmm. that's where it gets confusing. And it's also a matter of defining it. If you define aggression as a slap or something like that, is that enough? Mm -hmm. Is it with a gun? Different people measure it with different things. A different standard, uh-huh. And, and people people tend to uh, take different stances as to basically the ones that's most convenient for them as to which came from, it's a chicken and egg kind of right. thing. Right. Does someone 
who is prone to gun violence, because obviously that's a giant topic in the news right now, are they made more likely to commit gun violence because they're consuming that type of media? Or are they more likely to consume that kind of media because they're already predisposed to go and shoot up a, a shopping mall? Yeah, and it's it's really, really hard to tell. There are so many studies that have been done, but the one thing that we can't do is really tease out, well, is it this or that? And so... While I can tell you, if you view violence, you are likely to be more aggressive. I can't tell you how much. I can't tell you if it really will be violent or you might yell at someone one day and that's it. Like, I, I can't tell you. I was planning on yelling at somebody anyway. Well, Paula's been watching a lot more Breaking Bad lately. <laughs> and, you know, it hasn't made Paula more aggressive. And uh, why not? Because with a majority of people... It doesn't necessarily make them more aggressive. I watch a lot of violent TV. I don't get more aggressive. I think that's a lot of people. And the problem is that in our society, when we see one person be aggressive, that's huge. And especially now with the mass shootings. I remember, this is sort of prior to the spate of mass shootings that we've had when, you know, the concern was guns like a Saturday night special. In the time after Reagan was shot, there was a, a, a big move, in part thanks to James Brady and his wife, Sarah. The Brady Bill, yeah. And one of the things around that time that they found, because a big concern also was gangs, uh, and one of the things they found was a lot of people that were, you know, involved in gun stuff never realized that being shot would hurt them. You know, they may have thought it would it might kill them, but they didn't understand that it would be painful. That was definitely tied to television because, you know, when somebody gets shot on TV, there's they don't you know, they don't writhe for a really long time and scream the way one might so I, I do specifically remember that d discovery. But you're right. That was, you know, that was still in a pretty limited. We didn't have 600 channels then. And we didn't have the choices that there are now. I, I'm sure that what people see on TV, uh, although Adam's right. I do watch a lot of Breaking Bad. <laughs> and yet uh, I haven't started, for example, making meth. Um, but that could be <laughs> because I'm not a chemistry teacher. And and so I don't have the skills. I'm really more like the Jesse character than I am the Walter White character. That's fair. You know You know what, Paula? The Dalai Lama said, to frame this, too strong a media emphasis on death and violence can lead to despair. Sadly, he then added, suck on that. More with Dr. Cynthia Vinny when we come back. And hey, everybody, the bad news is, like any other podcast, we need to pay our bills. The good news is we have a fleet of sponsors who actually do offer fantastic quality products that Paula and I both heartily endorse. Let's hear about those right now. And if you're going to buy it anyway, use our code. to tell you something i okay I, I have an athena club razor now i have to confess i don't shave all year uh because there's months where there's no point to it and i don't like to be cold and so i can use all the furry protection i can get but now we're in the mid to late spring and it's time and it's a job 
uh, you know, when I first get started. Um, what I love about the Athena Club Razors, first of all, um, there's some spray stuff. I forget what it's called. I just call it spray stuff uh, that you can use that uh, is hydrating for your skin. And it makes for a very smooth shave because, you know, your first venture out after the winter, there can be accidents. Uh, yeah. So I'm really enjoying my Athena Club Razor. Well, that's great, Paul. I mean, I, I can tell you this. Athena Club's razors have thousands of five-star reviews from customers and is designed with built-in skin guards to help prevent razor burn while being gentle on curves. Plus, the razor is surrounded by a water-activated serum with shea butter and hyaluronic acid, which is a kind of a holy grail for skin care. The best part is that the razor kit is only $10, comes with two blade heads, a magnetic hook for shower storage, and your choice of handle color. The handle color options are cute, uh, but they even have black and white razors for all you minimalists out there. Adam, Adam, yeah. answer the what? phone. <laughs> what, in answer the middle the of an advertisement? <laughs> answer the phone. All right, Um. hello? Hey, Adam Thumba, it's me, Miss Nancy. I was wondering, am, am I the 12th caller? Uh, yes, I believe you are the 12th caller. Oh, I don't want to be the 12th caller. Am I the 100th caller? You are not the 100th caller. You are, as you guessed, Miss Nancy, the 12th caller. Oh, I was, you know, I had only heard 12 calls. But I, I wondered if maybe I just missed 88 of them. You did not. <laughs> well, so long as I'm on the phone, I want to tell you this, Adam. I have an Athena Club razor. Mine is pink. It's not like a hot pink. It's not like hot, hot pink. <laughs> it's like a pale pink that you would okay. find maybe inside a flower. Um. And, okay. and with, with Athena Club, you never have to think about blade refills because you choose how often you want your replacement blades shipped to you for free. And you'll never be stuck with an overused blade longer than it should be used for, which I've been so guilty of in the past. Athena Club also has the most amazing shave foam. I love the foam that will leave your skin soft hydrated, and smooth. Oh, well, Miss Nancy, I have some really great news for you then if you're such a fan of Athena Club. I am. Oh, well, then you can show your skin you care with the Athena Club razor kit if you head over to athenaclub.com. Miss Nancy, write this down. Use the code Paula for 25% off your first order. Again, that's athenaclub.com and use code Paula for 25% off. Athena Club is also launched in Target stores nationwide. So, Miss Nancy, if there's one near you, check out the shaving aisle to buy their products in store in real life. That's a great idea. You know, as I said, Adam, I don't know if you were listening. Um, yeah. And I have a student who doesn't listen, who's Russell. Um, but I'm already a member of the Athena Club. But you know what? I could give it to another teacher. I could make a gift of it. So thank you. That's Paula for 25% off my first order. Yeah, and if your friend is going to buy it anyway, tell her to use our code. I guess they could use your code. Yeah. What's the code? The code is Paula. What's the matter with you? 
What's the matter with you? The code is Paula. <laughs> we couldn't be any clearer about the code. Oh, my God. You know what? How did you get on this call? <laughs> Russell, are you messing with the phone? Russell. Well, Paula, it has been three months now since I got my Helix mattress, and I am still in love with the thing. I got the Helix Midnight Lux mattress, and me and Jeannie both love it. Uh, the kids and the dog are on it every night because it's just our room is a is just a better hangout now that we have one of those. I just adore it. Adam. Yeah. Answer the phone. Answer, answer the phone. Hello? 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 Uh, hi, Adam. is this Winnie Rose Feynman? It is, it's Winnie Rose Feynman. And yes. Adam, I really appreciate how much you love your Helix mattress, but I <laughs> I really don't want to hear about you being in bed with your wife, Jeannie, on your luxurious mid midnight luxe mattress. How... What are the odds of you and her? Uh, what? Did, did she take the quiz? She took the quiz. Uh, the, the Helix has a lineup of 20 unique mattresses, in, including the, the Lux collection and uh, the newly released Helix Elite collection. And, and the mattress is designed, which is a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers. And they even have a mattress made just for kids. So the only way to know which mattress you need, Winnie, is to take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find the perfect mattress for you in under two minutes. I think I took the quiz, and I think the perfect mattress for me <laughs> is a, a Midnight Lux. <laughs> Uh, maybe it is, Winnie. Maybe it's not. It certainly was the perfect one for me and my wife, who I am married to and love. Well, that's a funny coincidence. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Anyway, your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer, get this, Winnie, a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Don't forget the little ones. Helix Sleep also has kids' mattresses specifically designed with kids in mind. For children 3 to 12 years old, it's been awarded Best Mattress Winner by Parents Magazine. 10 to 15 year warranty? That means I have 10 yeah. to 15 years to work my way into your heart. Okay. I have to go now, Adam. All right. Hey, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from. What are the odds of you and Winnie Rose Feynman? Uh, being... Zero. <laughs> <laughs> Each mattress is designed for specific sleep positions and and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions, plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got gotcha. you. Yeah. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. Oh, I love that. It's the perfect combination of comfort and support. As I said, I took the quiz, ended up with a mid night lux because i needed something kind of medium firm and i sleep on my side so i put all that in my wife did too and we are styling in our midnight lux helix mattress 
Don't want to take our word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Think about it. You're probably thinking of getting a new mattress. Go get a Helix. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Ha <laughs> ha. Here it comes. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula, this is their best offer yet. Won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Once again, that's helixsleep.com slash Paula. And if you're going to try it anyways, use our code, which is Paula. Fun fact, glaciers and ice sheets hold about 69% of the world's fresh water. Wait, 68. No, no, 67. Shit, somebody get a bucket. <laughs> and we are back with Dr. Cynthia Vinny. Paula? When you were talking about showing people violence, have you been involved in such a study? No, I have not. Well, I, th- I thought maybe you were a subject. Maybe they showed you some violence and then and then you left the room and just punched the shit out of somebody. Um, all right. Um, there was an Olympic skater uh, years ago, like I was in high school, uh, named Dorothy Hamill. Now, she was in front of the general public for a couple of weeks in, in the course of the 76 Olympics, it was. Yet, if you were to go through any high school yearbook from that year and, and a couple of years after, you'd find tons of girls with Dorothy Hamill hairdos. Our behaviors, they are influenced by television, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But I think now in particular, there's a huge thing with teenagers in high school who are getting very depressed and it has to do with all of the media that they're consuming. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the violence, I think, would be a part of that. Tell me about the part of your dissertation that investigated how the strength of an individual's personal identity as a fan impacts one's meaningful, cognitive and effective responses to a favorite television show. And then explain to me how you came up with that idea for your dissertation. My dissertation was about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So actually a very violent show. We found out that fan identity negatively interacted with the search for meaning in life, which means that if you wanted to be a fan and you had a weak fan identity, there was a greater desire to search for meaning in life. But if you were a fan with a strong fan identity, it didn't have an effect on that search for meaning in life. So does that mean if I'm a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I'm really into it, that that sort of makes me less of a seeker? That that makes me, you, you know, that I'm, I'm not adrift? Not necessarily. If you are searching for meaning in life as less of a fan, you're searching for it through Buffy. People that oh. are big fans, they've already found it sort of in Buffy in Buffy yeah but also you know we found that we had greater uh reflective thoughts 
higher levels of mixed and meaningful affect, more self-related thoughts. So a lot of- For fans. For fans, yeah. So the higher their fandom was, the more they had these things. So that was a really good thing. How how did you get this data? I mean, how did you determine these things? I sent a, a survey out and I actually got 790 fans to take this wow. survey. So it was a lot of fans and they really came through for me. They they were really great and they explained all of their love of the show. I mean, it was really, really inspiring because, you know, a lot of people have these traumatic events in their lives and mm-hmm. they would look at the show to help them and it was really inspiring and despite the violence they really saw the good in it so it was really a positive thing as opposed to a you know I figured I'd go beat someone up hey uh just to make things even more complicated there are people who say that violence in media doesn't matter at all will often point to the fact that in The 80s and 90s and and early O's, just as violence was starting to crest on TV and in video games and stuff, the violent crime rate in America plummeted. Uh, What do you make of that counterargument? I think that people are at home watching. They aren't... (laughs) <laughs> they aren't out there doing. Um, and Why go out there and murder when I you mean, can just stay home and watch one? Exactly. <laughs> I, I lived in Orlando briefly when I was 18, and uh, I had roommates, but they had gone out one night, and I was there by myself, and this was you know, way prior to cell phones or anything like that. But uh, I got an obscene phone call, and it scared the living shit out of me. And I called the police... And that's, you know what, that's what they said to me. They go, well, if he's on the phone, he's not at your apartment. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thanks. But that was true back then. Um, But now there's cell phones. So he could be walking towards you making that call. But I'm not sure in the moment I took any comfort in it. But now that you say that, like, yeah, well, if they're at home watching violence or not doing violence, well... Okay. This has turned you around on the subject, Paula. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm like, yeah, there should just be a lot more violent shows on TV. By uh, the way, Cynthia, for me, the Dick Van Dyke show is practically my religion. And uh, I would be happy to take a survey about it if you ever do, if you ever write another dissertation. Count me in. I see a look of almost total non-interest on Cynthia's face about that idea. That's not true. That's the face that she puts on to cover her enthusiastic feelings. <laughs> That's something that a lot of people have noticed about Cynthia for years. She just has like no affect, but uh, I mean, she's inside. She's just going crazy. No, she doesn't think it's a good idea. But Cynthia, you can speak for yourself. Will your next study involve the Dick Van Dyke show, which opens with a very violent moment where he trips over a chair? Uh, an ottoman (laughs) you know um maybe not but let's i'll take it under advisement (laughs) all right well be that as may cynthia you were just excellent thank you so much and nobody's i want to plug this hard you can find cynthia's book finding fact in fiction at your local bookstore or online bookseller she is a scholar and author and a freelance writer of all things psychology and popular culture Dr. Cynthia Vinny, everyone. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Cynthia. (laughs) Coming up, so far, all we know about the new members of NATO is that they're Finnish. 
or at least they will be when Captain Griggle gets through with them. It's Bonnie and Tony's Oral Report, Finland, when we come back. The Cat of the Week is Chloe from Nakusp, British Columbia, Canada. Ooh. Congratulations, Chloe. Hey, everybody, this is some hot, late-breaking, exciting news. Our new website, nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone.com, is finally here, and you're all invited to visit it. That's nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone.com. What? See us, interact with us, and more importantly, go to our merch store. Yeah, we've got Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone t-shirts, caps, sweatshirts. You can have a t-shirt that says I'm a nobody or one with our logo. You're going to love it. That's nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone.com, our brand new website. A news update from the dental chair. TNN found some undecided voters. <coughs> this has been a news update from the dental chair. They did. They're having a town hall with undecided voters. Really? How Amazing. fucking stupid. <laughs> How do you get a group of people that dumb in one room? We are back thanks to and under the aegis of our house band, David Bragger. Woo! Hey there, nobodies. I got to tell you, we have got an amazing slate of guests coming up, and we don't usually preview them, but let me take the liberty of doing that right now. In the upcoming weeks, we will hear from Serena Viswanathan, director of the FTC's Division of Advertising Practices, Professor William Wallace, an internationally renowned scholar on Michelangelo and his contemporaries, Psychologist Art Markman will be returning, and the executive director of the International Women's Media Foundation, Elisa Lise Munoz. That's all coming up on Nobody Listens to Yay. Paula Poundstone. And hey, speaking of coming up, Paula Poundstone, you are always coming up on some new town on the horizon, aren't you? The way you, you're the peripatetic Paula Poundstone traveling all over the place. You know, Adam, it's funny that you should mention that. So many people have been asking me how they can get tickets to my show in Reading, Pennsylvania at the Miller Center for the Arts on Friday, May 19th. So I'm just going to take a moment right now to tell you. <laughs> Go to my website, paulapoundstone.com, and click on the tour tab. That's paulapoundstone.com, and you'll find the Reading, Pennsylvania show right there. And I can't walk out of my door without people asking me how to get tickets to my show in Livermore, California at the Bankhead Theater on Saturday, June 10th. It seems silly to let such an easily solved problem fester. So I'll tell you, go to my website, paulapoundstone.com, and click on the tour tab. I'll tell you what's getting crazy is the mob of people in my backyard shouting, how do we get tickets for your show in Seattle, Washington at the <laughs> Neptune Theater on Friday, June 23rd? So let me just tell you, go to my website, paulapoundstone.com, click on the tour tab. A night of laughter is the best thing for you. I can't wait to see you. 
You know what else, Paula, and I just noticed it this week? Another way people could get to your tour tab, hmm. they could go to nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone.com, the place where they can also get all the great merch that's centered around our podcast, and they could click on a tab on the top that says Paula's Tour, and they could get that very same information at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone.com. Whoa, two different ways to get to Albuquerque. What a world. Hey, guess what we have coming up now, Paula? Can't imagine. You know, we're always reaching out, trying to get new listeners. Yes. And we recently welcomed a new nation into NATO. It, was just, it just got finalized a couple of weeks ago. Finland. Finland is joining us. So we're going to... Oh, how perfect. How perfect. It's really gonna, perfect. We're welcoming Finland to NATO. And we're going that extra mile to also encourage Finlanders, Finlandies... Fin, fl- Finns. Fin, I think fin- you can just go with Finns, but we'll we'll find out in just oh, a moment. Fi- Finns, Fin, Finlofians, Fin, Fin, Finnapolis, Finns, Finnish, Finns. Just fin- stop, fin- stop with the- Finns. Fin, yeah. Fin. Uh, we're, you know what? We're hoping what? that we can also uh, extend to them the ski pole uh, to <laughs> pull them into our uh, into our orbit. Yeah, become listeners. Finland, once they became a NATO member state, they effectively doubled the border that Russia has with NATO. We're hoping that maybe we could use Finland to, I don't know, double our listener base. And what better way to do it than to learn all about Finland through Tony and Bonnie's oral report. Finland, Finland, Finland. It's the country for me. Yay! Boy, this could backfire. Okay. Boy, look at you both in those hats. <laughs> nice. Are those traditional Finnish hats? <laughs> yes, they are. What do you call those in Finland? Traditional Finnish hats. Oh, Yes, the wow. word for the traditional Boy. Finnish hat is what? Yeah. Lesuska is a word. What is it? A what? A lesuska. Oh, okay. Okay, well, nice, beautiful. nice. And uh, Tony, it goes great with your peplos. Um, Okay, so my internet is really bad today, so I hope you can hear me. Oh, it does keep freezing. Oh, yeah, you're freezing. Do you have a lot of stuff open? She has a direct line to Finland opened because Tony, of course, is an ambassador for Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. So she's also planning on going on a cruise to Finland, and she'll be wearing her Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone uh, uh, hooded sweatshirt as the ambassador for for our show. Over her peplos. Uh, yeah, your peplos will just be sticking out at the bottom. Okay, hold on. Let me just shut one a couple more things down. This is the kind of thing that you might want to consider doing before we record. <laughs> Everyone's frozen. Oh, my God. Uh, one thing I noticed, uh, Tony and Bonnie, before you begin your report, is that we had to take a longer break than usual after our guest, Dr. Cynthia Vinny, because you guys weren't done preparing your oral report. Oh, well, that, you know what? They were just... Dotting their I's and crossing their T's, I think. and uh, It's possible. Yeah. And a lot of the lettering on their posters still <laughs> needed filled in because they were using block okay. lettering. And I admire that. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, don't have any, I don't have any trouble with that. Tony's back. Fantastic. Yeah. I've connected to my hotspot. So hopefully that'll help. And also, she turned off the blender. And that was good. <laughs> Okay, Finland. That's where what we're talking about today. So that I'm gonna start with some basics. The head of the government, the prime minister, is Sana Murin. The capital is Helsinki. 
The population is 5,571,000. The head of state is the president, Sally Nianista. So a little bit of history. It was a part of Sweden from the 12th century until 1809. And that's when I put my foot down. Yes. Because In 1809, that's when I said, no more Finland being a part of Sweden. No more, you said. So Finland was then a Russian Grand Duchy until following the Russian Revolution, the Finns declared independence on December 6th, 1917. So it was only... Oh, they didn't wait. 106 years ago. That's not that long. Wow. No, not that long at all. Finland was admitted to the United Nations in 1955. So it's hard to talk about Finland without talking about the Helsinki Accords, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can't, can't would, we wouldn't. It we can't wouldn't. be done. You can't talk about Finland without talking about the Helsinki Accords. Oh, my gosh. Finland's international activities became more widely known when the Conference on Security and Cooperation in Europe, which resulted in the creation of the Helsinki Accords in 1975. The Helsinki Accords were an effort to reduce tension between the Soviet and Western blocs by securing their common acceptance of post-World War II status quo in Europe. And so it was to provide a feeling of security anyways. And the way they did that was with swaddling. They swaddled <laughs> all of the Soviet Union yes. on one side and swaddled all of NATO on the other. That's exactly, exactly. right. And then only later was there some scientific evidence that swaddling wasn't necessarily good. <laughs> but in the beginning, yeah. that's what they used was swaddling. It resulted in the strangulation and eventual death of the Soviet <laughs> oh Union God. 15 years later. <laughs> well, the Soviet Union only lasted another 15 yeah. years. Have you ever yeah. been swaddled? Yeah. It feels so good yeah. to be swaddled. Anyway. Finland became a full member. Generally speaking, <laughs> babies are swaddled, so I don't yeah. know why yeah. you would remember. That's not true. No, being I was being swaddled. I was swaddled what? once. That was an uncomfortable peek into Tony's personal life. Wait, it's an adult. When's the last time you were swaddled? I was swaddled because I did a photo shoot where I was swaddled like a baby. Oh, really? <laughs> That's weird. It was for a no. holiday card. No, you remember that magazine that was so popular for a while, Baby Tony Magazine? <laughs> oh, what? I never connected that to Tony Anita Hall. Yeah, yeah, that was. It was Tony Anita Hall. They make weighted blankets now that make you feel like... I just sleep with a backpack on. <laughs> fully loaded backpack. And I feel, you know, weighted down the same as I would with a weighted blanket. It's, it's, it's another way to do it. Okay, yeah, so, you can't roll over. Wait, Finland became a member of the EU in 1995. So, again. So, they joined the EU in 1995. Yeah. Uh-huh. 40 years after they joined the United Nations. They, You know, they, for years they were kind of shy. And yeah. what <laughs> happened was the Western world used to put Reese's Pieces down for them. <laughs> like a little row of Reese's species, <laughs> and slowly yeah. Finland came out and got you know would pick up little little bits of Reese's species, and eventually we were able to befriend them. This is a fa fantastic information, and at the time we weren't sure what to the call. Finlothians was a fin fin finaldies Just fin fins uh, fins, fins Paula. Oh no, I don't think we called him that. Hey, let's keep going with the report because uh, Bonnie okay. and Tony's oral report can't be complete without Bonnie. No. So, guess what? Fins are happy. In fact, 
Finland has been the happiest country on earth for the past six years, followed by Denmark and Iceland. This is according to a UN survey and the World Happiness Survey. Wow. Wow. Does anyone have any guesses as to why they are so happy? <laughs> because they lie on happiness surveys? <laughs> <laughs> No, they value honesty. <laughs> no, you know what it is? Because in the Finnish language, there are no words for miserable fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those are all good guesses. But Thank you. <laughs> there are a number of factors as to why Finns are happier. Their salaries are high. Crime is low. There are no job titles. Lower income inequality and low levels of corruption which is good. There's none of that. Um, and then according to Finnish... <laughs> Maybe you should uh, tell the, the whole lack of job title thing to the president and prime minister because well, they seem pretty focused on their job titles. Also, according to Finnish legislation, women and men are equal. And then the scenery wow. is breathtaking. I, wait, I, yeah, go back to this. No, What was it? No title? What was it? No what? There are no job titles. Well, that's ridiculous. So if you need something done, you just call a phone number and go, could someone come over here and do something? I, I don't understand that. What do you mean there are no job titles? Yeah, what if you need a plumber? You just ask for Bill Schetzel. Who? How do I know that Bill Schetzel knows how to plumb? No, you look under plumbers. I think it's kind of cool that they don't have like a boss. No, I think like it's not like, you know, like I'm a director. I don't think there's any title. Yeah. They don't like braggarts. Oh. They don't like people to make a big deal of themselves. Yeah, they're humble people. Yeah, they're very modest. So if you okay. go to the hospital and you, know, <laughs> you need like an emergency triple bypass, then they don't get a surgeon. They just go, you know what? There's, there's, uh, Helga. Bill might be good for that. Helga, put that mop down and come over here for a second. Uh, yeah, I. this part might be. Are you sure? <laughs> we we did research. Yeah, clearly. Uh, how much time did you spend over there with your notebook at in Finland? Hum. Well, I did interview some Finnish people. Did you? Uh-huh. Yeah. And here's what I found out. Here's one thing a Finlander said to me. Okay. Yeah. Just a in fin- general, fin- a fin- a Finnish fin- a Finland. A Finn. A Finn said to me. Okay. Finns are very good students. They have great schools. The school system is free. According to my source over there, he said the food served there is healthy and the teaching is of very good quality. They are good students, those Finnish people. If they say they will do their homework, they will. They don't cheat on tests. They will finish it. <laughs> They don't cheat on tests, and they're able to sit in silence. They're not, like, fidgeting all the time like we are. They're not fidgety? The whole nation isn't fidgety? It's not a fidgety nation. They're not fidgety fins. Yeah, they're able to sit in silence, quiet. That was almost a deal breaker on the whole NATO thing. They were like, look, we're only letting you in if you can fucking sit still. And and then they just passed with flying colors. They had all of Finland just sit for about 15 minutes solid. And uh, it's it's why their reality TV sucks. It's like, you know, okay, welcome back to Celebrity (laughs) Sit in Silence. Everybody sit down and shut up. Here we go. That's not what they sound like. Okay, so this this really is a good segue into our next point. 
Finns right. are unbelievably quiet. They'll sit for hours with their friends, exchanging <laughs> only the most necessary sentences. I just knew it instinctively. So they don't even talk to each other? They just sit? The concepts that silent moments between people is uncomfortable is difficult for them. They don't like talking about things neither relevant nor interesting, and there's nothing they like. They dislike more than dishonesty. They don't even have a direct translation for chit-chat. They call it chewing wow. shit. Wow. Wow, chewing so shit. So they have listened to our enough. show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to get a lot of listeners from Finland. Well, they're not going to be talking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and fin- Finlanders, fin Finuvians, fin- <laughs> fin. 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 No. When you're listening, just just sit quietly. Just sit quietly and listen. Uh, and then, of course, go right to our website. Nobody listens to PaulaPoundstone.com. Um, wow. Okay, so. Yeah, like so you do they, with so many other things, our Finnish friends. Um, once you've switched us on, it is your job to endure us. Well, go on, Bonnie and Tony. I mean, I thought it was interesting that they don't feel a necessity to keep talking all the time. They seem like, okay, I just am. Want to have something to say? I will. Otherwise, we're cool being silent. What we would call a bad date. I can't imagine that. I absolutely can't imagine that. I talk alone in my house. I talk when no one's around. I'm terrified of silence. Paul, you don't need to do 23andMe. You at least know one nationality you have none of. I am. Yeah, I am. I have no Finnish blood. I have no Finnish area, and I have no Finlandia. I have no, I'm. Finn. Finn. Yeah. None of that. Yeah, they have sisu. What's sisu? There's no word for it in English. It's loosely translated as whatever happens, I will not give up for any reason and will not whine about the consequences. Jesus, I'm starting to really feel inferior to these people. (laughs) Yeah, I got to say me too. They they really seem to have their shit together. They don't whine. They don't chit chat. They're comfortable with silence. They don't give up. What the fuck? (laughs) And there's something else they're cool with. What? They're cool with nudity. Thanks to saunas, there are two million saunas in Finland. They see their friends, colleagues, as well as random strangers naked at least at some point in their lives. As a result, they don't take nudity too seriously. They don't think it's a big deal. Oh, they would if they saw me. (laughs) I mean, those Scandinavians are good looking. That's why they can all have all those saunas. But two million, that's a lot for a country of five million people. Yeah. It's a lot of saunas. Well, sometimes they don't use the sauna. They just sit near it quietly. They're comfortable talking about the sauna or not talking about the sauna. (laughs) If you told me that there was a nation full of silent, naked people with no job titles... That doesn't sound like the paradise that I think Finland might be. (laughs) You know, it's probably not that they're really happy. It's just that they don't say anything. (laughs) And they can't go talk to a psychologist because they they don't know who the the psychologist is. Right, because they have no job titles. No job titles. Yeah, Guy guy could be a therapist or a furniture salesman. Yeah, they have no way of knowing. You know what? As we welcome Finland both to NATO and, and, and welcome Finland, honestly, 
welcome. Yeah, really. Uh, welcome. Really glad to have you. Um, and also, we welcome the the Finnish, the Finluvians, the the Finns. Fin- yeah. It's just we Finns, also Paula. welcome them to our uh, podcast. To nobody listens to Paula Poundstone. Um, yeah. I also, and we're sorry and, we're chewing so much shit. Oh my god! Well, here's the thing, Fin Fin Finland people. I hope that you will accept on behalf of, you know, from me, but on behalf of our whole grateful nation, um, we're going to give you the phrase chit-chat. And, yeah, it's like yeah. a welcome gift. Yeah, and it can, you know, it doesn't need to be translated. You know what it means, and you can <laughs> you just use it, it. Don't lie to us. Yeah, go you ahead. Know what it means. Go ahead, use it now. Use chit-chat in a sentence, Finland. Yeah, well, you have to talk to do it. Go ahead, talk. <laughs> And put, and put some, on some clothes for God's that's sake. That's just what I was about to say. <laughs> wow. Okay, what else? Go on, guys. I'm sure there's okay. more to this report. Well, you know, we wanted to make sure you knew some things about their taste, their culture, because we do want to make them feel comfortable in NATO. So the music they like to listen to is pop, adult, contemporary, rock alternative, and indie music. The current number one song on their Billboard chart is... Medio, which translates in English to We Are Not. And it's sung by a Finnish rapper named Guido Massa. And I happen to have a little snippet of the song for you. That's fantastic. Okay, just well, as a way of getting to know the 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 Finns, the the, the Phoenicians, the uh, Finns, Finns is fine. Uh, just as a way of getting to know them, I just want to, um, Finland people, if you could go to uh, um, nobody listens to paulapoundstone.com and let us know if you like this song. Because um, didn't Bonnie? What was the first kind of music that you said they liked? Pop, adult, contemporary. Okay, so this oh, is yeah. very contemporary because uh, I just made it up right now. Do you like this? That's contemporary music from an adult, so I guess it qualifies in that way. Pop, 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 and it's pop. So if you like that, that way there we can just get a sense of you. Um, yeah, and by the way, Finnish hip-hoppers don't seem to have a problem with chit-chat. That guy was saying a lot of words. Yeah. Great point, Adam. So moving on. But he recorded that in another country. He recorded it in another country. (laughs) So there are some downsides. The cost of living in Finland is extremely (laughs) expensive. The cost of living in Finland is so high that even with the most generous salaries, many people struggle to pay their bills. Living in Finland is pricier than living in approximately 80% of other countries around the world. A family of four pays on average about $4,500 a month to live. Wow. Wow. So you've got to pay a lot of money to sit around naked saying nothing. <laughs> well, no. You Do you know why? They're paid by the word. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that's what's really keeping their, uh, yeah, their incomes down. 
So you're paid by the word. Uh, so That and the lack of job titles, I would imagine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, speak up, Finland. You can't get promoted if you don't have a title to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's too bad that things are so expensive there. Yeah. What What else? Are there more well, everything has negatives a about Finland? You know, well, uh, they're sure. still happy. Okay, sure so the winters are long, dark, and bitterly cold. In the wintertime, temperatures drop between 20 below zero and 60 below zero. Oh, Jesus Christ, get me to a sauna. <laughs> yeah, that would just, that would, that would freeze the happy chemicals in the brain. You know, that that's fascinating to me then that they are overall such a happy people because they must not have light sensitivity then because I am so affected by whether, you know, if it's overcast outside or if it's oh, raining. Oh, me too. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So long winters would, would do me in, but apparently it doesn't work that way with the with the uh, finny, um, uh, finites. Fins. The fin- yeah. No, fi- fins, is, fins is what it is, Paula. Yeah. Well, actually, it seems to work a little that way because the lack of winter sun directly contributes to the depression rate, the rate of binge drinking and alcohol addiction, which are all concerningly high. Well, then wait a minute. You go, you said they were all happy. I know, but maybe that's like a minority. Just I wouldn't think so. If they're considered overall the happiest country in the world, I, I wouldn't think that's a minority. They're all then. binge drinking naked. Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little conflict. And there's a little, who did, did you call? Did you research that? Did you call like one really happy person and then one really unhappy person? Uh, we looked up the medical, in the medical statistics. Hmm. Is there anything else you want to let us know about Finland? Yeah. Yes. Are you doing an impression of a Finn right now? Or are you trying to gather your thoughts? They're getting in touch with this their... this is very convincing. With, with their Finabian. Their Finabian. At least you're still closed, but boy, with the silence here. Sorry. <laughs> Tony? She can't. Sorry. Um, Tony. Okay. Tony, for Tony. right for right now, why don't you keep that shirt on? Uh, yeah. I don't care how hot it is in there. <laughs> Tony, this is real. We're not in Finland, so if yeah, you could yeah. just stay dressed. <laughs> I don't and you have a job title. Uh Okay. I'm ready. Right now you're a presenter. Go ahead. So can you hear me? I can hear yes. you, but I have to tell you something. You look so much better than you did last week. <laughs> oh, my God, like a thousand times better. I mean, after we uh, fi- finished the show last week, the rest of us stayed on the Zoom, and we were just like, fuck, did you see what she looked like? So this is, yeah. we're so okay, happy to see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the language is one of the most difficult in the world to learn. It is. That's why they don't talk. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> They just sit quietly because they're like, I don't know the words for any of this shit around us. It's totally unrelated to other Scandinavian languages, which means there are no similarities to grasp for first time learners. It's a dizzying, dizzying, dizzyingly, that's a really hard word to say. Compl- yeah. Easy for you to Boy, say. You are turning in to a Finnish, a Finny, a Finny, a Finny, a Finny. A, fi- a Finn. A, a Finn. A Finn. Finn. Yeah, right in front of us. It has, okay, so it's very, it has very complex grammatical structure with 15 distinct cases. So for comparison, um, German has four and English has five distinct cases. 
What are cases? Cases of what? <laughs> cases of beer? Where they've been sued for saying the wrong word. <laughs> they, they, they're very litigious. What, what are cases? Cases, like... <laughs> like, like verb cases? Yes, yeah. thank you. Like what? Yes, okay. I don't think of the word. Like yes. tenses. I think it's tenses. Well, then why not say tenses? Because what is written here says cases. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're tense enough in Finland, Paula. <laughs> and I can't think independently right now. Gotta be honest. I'd be tense too if I had no clothes, no job title, and wasn't and didn't know how to speak my own language. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, do go on, you two. In summary, there is a stereotype about the Finnish people. They've gathered a reputation for being reserved, non-talkative, and shy of the physical contact many take for granted in Western culture. We hope our report has Oh, yeah, there's you... an expression in Finland, <laughs> uh, not with a 10-foot Because that's pole. exactly what you just said about them. Yeah, you just exactly. Said they, I mean, that's, you reinforced the stereotype, and now you're, now you're backing out? No. And now we're assholes for believing what we've just been told? <laughs> yeah, we're the assholes now. This is the first we knew that they don't touch each other. This is the first we knew that. <laughs> we've tried to give you a wider perspective on the fins and our report, and we hope that we have succeeded. Well, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so here's a bunch of stereotypes about fins, and then we're going to conclude the report by saying that's just stereotypes. That's not what they are. So now I feel like I know fucking nothing. Yeah. They They don't fill silences. Yeah. They're comfortable with silence. Okay. I think there's something to be said for that. But then being quiet, Bonnie just said, is a stereotype. I said the stereotype of them is that doesn't mean it's true. We were trying to give you... But Tony just said it's true. (laughs) No. What the fuck? They're silent for a reason. It's a different culture. Yeah. Because they don't want to talk to you. That's why they're silent, because they don't want to talk. And by the way, they don't like braggarts. They're not ostentatious. A person who's an expert on a subject will tell you that they know something about the subject. And the most skilled people say they may be able to do it. And answers like, it was nice, are used to describe one's own wedding. One's own wedding? Mm-hmm. It was nice. Wow. How do they describe their proposal party? Their surprise <laughs> proposal party. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say I'm a Finn and I'm flying everybody to Helsinki to jump out of the bushes at the exact moment that I propose to my future wife. Yeah. What if I'm. How would they describe that? Yet. <laughs> what if Maddish and Robbish were getting married? <laughs> All right. Well, Tony and Bonnie, I thought that was an just excellent report on, on Finland, the people of Finland, who we are referring to as Finns from now on, Paula. Oh, yes. Don't have to tell me yes. twice. And this, everybody, has been Tony and Bonnie's Oral Report. Oh, my God. Now, if you nobody's out there and all our new Finnish friends, you might not be aware of this. But if you do have something to say, and it won't be idle chit chat because we know you guys at this point, you could drop us a line by just going to nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone.com and clicking on the contact us link. And then just leave the comment box blank because we know how you are. (laughs) Yeah, we'll understand. Hey, Paula, what's going on in the Poundstone product empire this week? 
Well, Adam, cats everywhere are enjoying the gift of Poundstone Pussy Pillows that are available at the shop at PaulaPoundstone.com. They're four inch by five and a half inch, I think, catnip stuffed pillows, handcrafted right in the sweatshop at Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated. They bear a cat joke on one side, and I autograph them to each cat individually on the other side. Plus, they have a grommet at the top, so you can attach a string and drag it to help Missy Muggins maintain her kittenish lease on life. I'm very happy to say that I've looked out from stage at a few of my recent shows and seen what are clearly some of the happiest people in the room sporting comfy, cozy, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone hooded sweatshirts, which they must have gotten at the shop at paulapoundstone.com because that's where you get them. Yeah, uh, or you could have gone to nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone.com and gotten one of the sweatshirts, t-shirts, or ball caps that mark you as a nobody. The mark of the nobody. It must be Finland. <laughs> uh, just to remind everybody, next week we will all be reading the same part of the, the Scarlet Letter for our <laughs> book club. That'll be chapters one, two, and three of the Scarlet Letter. We'll be discussing them next week here on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Remember to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. It's free. And please, drop a review. We're told that means a lot. And that is our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Lee Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Cynthia Vinnie. Yeah. And to our house band, Fiddlin' David Bragger. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Yeah, our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Julie Berkobian, and we're edited by Vic Lowry. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Hey, Paula, come on yeah. into the sauna. Just, yeah. <laughs> just take off your clothes, come on into the sauna, and we'll sit quietly, okay? Yeah. Adam, um, yeah. earlier you asked me if I could do something for you, and I didn't answer you. And that's yeah. because um, I was practicing my Phoenician. Did you know that it's, it's, Finnish it's, mothers are very valued in Finland? You're not part of this <laughs> Tony, part you're of not the here show, right Tony. now. You're, you're not That's so here. unfinished of you. You're yeah. talking and you're not even I'm here. I'm not finished! <laughs> a free maternity um, package is sent by the state as a gift to all new mothers. And the package includes bodysuits, a sleeping bag, outdoor gear, bathing products for the you're baby, not here either, bedding, Bonnie. a small mattress, allowing the box to be hey, used hey, as a crib, sh- 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 a hooded sh- bath towel, sh- nail sh- scissors, sh- hairbrush, unbelievable, washcloth, muslin squares, a picture book, teething toy, one set of reusable nappies, ten sanitary towels, bra pads, nipple cream, and six condoms. Nipple cream? You're not here. And muslin squares. Might be muslin squares. It's probably muslin, yeah. I said squares. muslin. Yeah. No, Muslim squares are unhip Muslims, yeah. They rarely take squares of Muslims, very rarely. This nipple cream. Because of nursing, your nipples can get crusty. You're not, so you're not here. I'm sorry. Here, Paula, if you're curious about nipple cream, Paula, here, you can borrow some of mine. Thank you, Adam. Oh. Sure. Yeah, see? It's no wonder they sit quietly. Most Finnish children have two birthday parties. You know what? You're you not are here. not here. <laughs> You know what I heard, Adam? What's that, Paula? Most Finnish children have two birthday parties. <laughs> really? 
twice a year an opportunity to sit around with all your friends and say nothing. <laughs> they walk into the house. And everybody jumps out and says, happy birthday. And like, whoa, is it happy birthday? It's so nice. And then they go into the backyard and a whole second group of people jump out and go, happy birthday. (laughs) Wow. That's fantastic. They're the world's largest coffee drinkers, which I thought was interesting. Oh, yeah. How many cups a day? They drink eight cups of coffee per day. Okay, they are not happy. (laughs) On average. Yeah, they drink more (laughs) coffee per capita than any other country in the world. What this is an indication of is how, what miserable fucks most of us are. (laughs) Like the the level of unhappiness in the world is so great that even in Finland. That makes the Finns look happy. Right, exactly. (laughs) God. (laughs) 